Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked on Seminoles Know Your Foe. We got Evan from the Red White Podcast on Twitter, redwhite.com, right on the inner, or redwhitenetwork.com. What was the Yeah, either one. Five seconds ago. Either one. <laughs> Guys, it's the Red White the Network, place. NC State coverage, and we are going to talk all things NC State to get y'all ready for the big show down this weekend. This show is brought to you, by the way, by McDonald's, serving communities since... I mean, forever. Like, they have a year that they say they started, but it, does anyone remember a time before McDonald's? You don't. I don't. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Eat McDonald's. Drake, roll the video and let's do this thing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's go. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right. So guys, again, this is the Know Your Foe Locked on Seminoles. Before I dive in, make sure if you're listening for the first time, you hit subscribe, whether it's YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. We'd love to have you back. We do these once a week and we do shows five days a week. Actually, during the season, we even do a Saturday gambling show if that tickles your fancy. But let's get to the man of the hour. Evan, dude, how are you, man? How's life up there in, uh, I don't know, uh, North Raleigh. Carolina? I was going to think of something creative in North <laughs> Carolina, and I was like, eh, we can't talk about tobacco. You know, there's all, you guys are like a tough state to talk about these days. You know, there's a lot going on. I, I was doing good until I saw your intro. Now I'm a little jealous. You guys have a fancy video countdown. I mean, this is, this is next level production since the last time I've talked to you. You know, we brought out the uh, brought out the big guns, but the biggest gun of all is you being here to tell the folks more about your team than we have time to learn in one week. And as you remember from last year, sort of like a structured takeover. So talk as long as you want about certain topics, bring things up that we may not think to ask. And I think the way we're going to do it is sort of start by building the glossary, right? I want to talk about key players on your team first. So as we're throwing names around later in the show, people know who we're talking about. And then I want to just do, you know, what are your offense against our defense and then your defense against our offense. Now, the key players, obviously, we have to start with Devin Leary. He's kind of come out of nowhere, I think, but maybe that's just because, you know, last year was such a wonky year and the year before he was a freshman. Has he improved substantially or is this kind of the same Devin Leary y'all have always known you had and now we're all just seeing it? Yeah, that's a good question. I think state fans, NC State fans, have seen glimpses of it, right? We Before this year, Leary didn't have a whole lot of starts. He was just starting to get rolling before he got injured last year. But you saw, you saw what he was capable of in games like the Pitt game last year, where he just was in complete control. It was a big upset at the time. They went up to Pitt, and they you know came back and won against the defense nobody could score against. And that got everybody excited. It was the same thing with the Duke game last year. He came in and and really led, you know, led that team to victory when even though he got hurt, you could tell the drop off from him to Bailey Hockman that happened there. And I think that's that's what state fans got excited about because Tim Beck has done a good job of developing him. But you could see in the small sample, the eight games that he had played that hey, he was really good. He was really, you know, he's highly rated, highly regarded coming out of high school for a reason. 
He has the arm strength. He has all the intangibles. And just getting more experience, you expected him to be better. And so while State fans were probably optimistic, it was more, hey, we saw glimpses and we think he can do this more. And I think that's why everybody was kind of not really surprised, but you know, hopeful that he could break out. And we we're confident that he was going to you know perform as he's, as he's been. But nobody expected him to, you know, I don't even think I expected him to be as good as he has been. If you just look at the raw numbers, you know, the last, the numbers have been thrown around lately. He's got twenty two touchdowns, no interceptions in the last six games. I mean, he has just been in complete control, and it's. It's been awesome to see. The thing people are looking for is for State to rely on him more in the offense. We've, I don't know, much to chagrin of a lot of State fans. Dave Dorn is a run the ball team, you know, established a run. And, you know, Leary's got a huge arm. He's accurate. He's in control. Our offensive line is much better pass blocking. And people just want to see him air it out because he he can do it. And he's been proving that he can do it. But we have not really been a vertical offense so far, and it is not Devin Leary's fault because I think he has been absolutely fantastic. So then let's let's talk about who is in that in that running back room, and you know if you're trying to establish the run. I know Zonovan Knight's y'all's leading rusher, but it looks like when I go through your your rushing list, you've got Ricky Pearson Jr. is right behind him. Their carries are split, 101 for Zonovan Knight, 94 for Ricky Pearson Jr. I want to talk more about how the game plan will fit that in when we get to our next segment, but just give us a little background on both of those guys and what their different strengths are as runners. Yeah, it's funny. They, I, on our podcast, my co-host is very much Ricky person fan and I am very much Bam Knight, but person has been better lately. Uh, Bam has not been running as well, but overall he's, faster he's got more breakaway speed he's he's actually a really tough runner even though ricky person gets all the credit for being you know the the tough guy the bigger guy to hard take down they're two they're different kind of backs they use ricky more in the pass game he's a much better in pass protection which is why he's getting more snaps i mean he's the the only knock on ricky person is that he's a tendency to run side to side and not north south when he starts running north south he is m- a much more dynamic runner he's just strong he is fast H- he just needs to go in that direction right it's just something it's yeah. just the the thing that he hasn't done well and if he he does that in in bits and pieces part of the problem and I won't get too far in, into it is has been the offensive line has not been very helpful for him but bam is going to be more of the they want the breakaway guy, if he, if he gets in the open, nobody's catching him. I mean, he is you know legit 4-4, if not faster. He's a tough runner. Not as great in pass protection. If he's in the game, it's most likely going to be a run play. It's a little bit obvious sometimes. But that's where, kind of where the balance is. I think you know Ricky is probably a more polished all-around back, but I think Bam has the higher upside if that's how you're counting it. So then I'm going to move a little more to the people on the outside, whether it be, you know, a I know from last year you had a Mecca Mezzi, Devin Carter coming back as well, and then they are Thomas, a.k.a. Troy Bolton Jr. How have they, I think because Max asked me this question last night on our, our own episode, 
are these players, do they actually make Devin Leary a better quarterback or are they just simply, you know, great athletes in their own right? Especially uh, me looking at towards like a Thayer Thomas who kind of burned his last year. Yeah, Thayer's, Thayer's an enigma, man. I, I think he he's ultra reliable, but for some reason he's been getting less snaps lately. And I think it's partly because they want to get some of the younger guys on the field, but I would do that by rotating maybe some of the other guys out. I think Thayer is just so reliable. And even this game, in this year, he's had he's had some big games. I mean, he had a couple big plays, the big catch and run against Boston College, same thing against Clemson. I mean, he's just been, you know, reliable. And that, I say the same thing for Emeka Amezi, where I don't know if he if you say that any of these guys make Leary better, but they are very dependable. Where you can throw a ball up to Amezi and he's going to win most of those jump balls. And they tend to do that a lot. They tend to throw a lot of back shoulder, you know, throw it up to the big guy, see if he can catch it. And I think that's, there's a very good, you know, connection there. They're very, very used to each other in that regards. Devin Carter has shown flashes, but then there's also been those games where he's had just ridiculous drops. And you're like, man, what are you doing? You've got everything. He makes the catch in the Boston College game. And I'm sure everybody saw it was on Sports Center. He's like one-handed behind the guy's back. He's catching yeah. the ball, running a 60-yard touchdown. You're like, that's amazing. Next week against Miami, he drops four balls, two of them, which are probably first downs, probably lead us to a better chance to win that game. And you're like, man, there's I, like he's got it, but he doesn't. He doesn't have the consistency that Thayer and Emeka have. And I think Emeka and Thayer are so reliable that Leary is comfortable just, hey, I know I can just throw it to, you know, throw it in the outside and Emeka is going to get it. Or I know Thayer is going to get open if I just give him enough, you know, step up in the pocket, give him a chance to, you know, get that extra second to extend that route. And that's what I think that's what's been really beneficial for him. It's the pair. I don't think any one makes the other one better. I think they're very good in that regards together. I want to talk about the big guys in the trenches because I think that'll be one of the most interesting matchups. But before we do that, folks, got to remind you, this show, Locked On Seminoles, your favorite daily podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. Y'all know I'm a huge McDonald's fan. They've been around. 1965 is the year. Great movie about it. Check it out. We'll really make you want some McDonald's. And guys, it's more than tasty, affordable food. It's food for every occasion. It's time to reconnect. I know my daughter, you know, the Happy Meal is... uh, that is like the highlight of the week. We usually do it once a week. She loves the toy. No eating in the car, but she gets the toy right away. She gets fired up and then absolutely crushes the six-piece McNugget, which I'm proud of, right? She moved up from the four-piece to the six-piece. So that's a that's a big, big step in a young person's life. And if you guys haven't been eating McDonald's five days a week like me, that's fine. Just be a once or twice a week kind of person. And, you know, it's it's all good. Either way. Whether you love it or don't love it, I'm loving it. And since you listen to me every day, we probably like the same thing. So take my advice on this one, guys. McDonald's. Let's talk about the guys that probably love some double cheeseburgers. Maybe even go for the triple cheeseburger. I don't know. The big boys up front. You spoke about your offensive line. And you guys have very puzzling offensive line stats when I look at the advanced metrics. When it comes to uh, the operate, which is like, uh, it's kind of weird to explain. Basically, if there are four yards to get for the first down or more, so like if it's four, five, six, whatever, it's a success if you get at least five yards or four yards, I mean. 
And if there's less than that for a first down, it's a success if you get a first down. So y'all are 112th in that. You're also 105th in power success rate. So really not good at generating a push up front, but you're 15th in the country in sack rate and you're 10th in the country in standard down sack rate. So is that Devin Leary's legs? Is there a reason y'all are seem to be rated ratings wise so much better at pass protection than run protection? Help me out here. Yeah, our success rate is abysmal and it drives everybody crazy. It's one of those things that we have just not seen the consistency that we expect on offense. And you saw that in the Miami game and you saw that in some of these other games. You saw that in the Mississippi State game. When we play a team that has as much or more talent on paper, it gives us a lot of trouble because we are not dynamic enough in, on the offensive side right now. I, the offensive line has been fantastic in pass protection. I was going through last week and I'm cutting up the film and you know, just looking at every play. I'm like, he's got all day. There's maybe, I think they had three hurries on him in the uh, Miami game. Like they, they weren't touching him in pass when we were passing. And it was just, it's mind boggling that that same group can't open a hole running. Now, I don't know if that's scheme or if that's player based, but there is something that is disconnected from why our, you know, our run game is terrible right now. It's, it's just, it's just not effective. And that is hampering our success rates when you get behind the chains in that because you, Dave likes to run, 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 pass, right? It's a very, uh, very fundamental football. And when you do that and you're not able to get a first down or you're not able to get above the chains, you get behind them and then your success rate drops. And it's, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is with the offensive line and why they can't run block, but it is something that has to be fixed if we're going to finish this season like we want to. And it's something that has definitely hampered us so far. The offensive line has been, I mean, if you look at it, you have two guys that are potential NFL draft picks. Icky's definitely getting drafted. Center Grant Gibson is, can, he might be a little short, but he is consistently rated as pro football focuses one of his, one of the top five centers each and every week. He's a really good center. We lost our left guard, Chandler Zavala. We moved guys over and we have some young guys in play. But they're still, even when everybody was healthy, they still weren't getting that push in the run game. And I, I, I think, it's my personal opinion, I'm not a football coach. I, I and most of our state fans wish that we would be more dynamic in the run game. So not just running out of the pistol set or not running out of 10 personnel, moving guys outside. You know, they ran a toss, a toss fake pass. Toss fake play action. I don't even know what they call it. It was a toss fake play action that just torched Louisville last week. And it was awesome. I mean, it was, but they could run that toss play. They could run, you know, we haven't run a single jet sweep all year. And then at the end of the Boston College game, I believe it was, where we're up pretty big and they pulled out Ricky Person and brought in our third string running back, Jordan Houston, who's a little guy, super fast. They've been, you know, practicing him in the slot, trying to get him on the field. But they brought him in. They started running, like, outside, and he's getting eight yards a clip, you know. And it's just like, man, why don't you do that more often? I I don't know what our running game – Yeah, right, it does make too much sense. And it, the one thing that I, I just wish they would do <laughs> is one time line up 
four wides and run from the spread. Like just something that gives you some sort of threat, but we always bring tight ends in. We always bring, you know, some big package in and it's like, all right, you're going to run the ball. You'll see it this weekend. Like it's, it's very predictable and they're most likely going to run left because they're running behind Icky. Who's going to be a first round draft pick, but the rest of the guys, the unit is just not working as a whole for, this for the run like, game. Is this from like specifically this year, or is it like a holdover from last year? Is this something new where just like you're not super creative or diverse in your offensive looks? Well, part of it, I think, is Leary's not a, he's not a super dynamic runner. He can he can move. He's not he's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's not you know cement feet back there. He can definitely move. But I don't know if he's the kind of guy that Tim Beck wants to do. He's not um, – damn, now I'm forgetting the Texas guy's name who's there forever that Tim Beck Sam would run. Yeah, Ellinger, right? Sam, you know, he yeah. ran him like a jackhammer, just like pounded him. And then that's the kind of running game that he wants to use, and I don't think he has that with Leary. So I'm wondering, you know, is part of that that. But for the last couple of years, we haven't been great run the ball. And people were just thinking, all right, well, we didn't have the offensive line talent. Dwayne Ledford, who basically stopped recruiting for an entire year before he went to Louisville and then the Atlanta Falcons, left us with a big gap in offensive line talent. And so, you know, people were patient enough to say, all right, we got to get some guys in here. We got to develop them. Now we're in year three of John Garrison, who's supposed to be. You know, he played offensive line. He was a highly regarded offensive line coach coming in. But we have just not seen that production in the run game. And it's been consistent for three years, but maybe three different reasons. I'm not sure why. But at this point, I think people's patience are losing – people are losing patience with that particular unit because that is really the only unit that seems to be consistently struggling in that one particular area. Pass, like I said, pass protection is fantastic. He'll have all day back there to throw. He'll have clean yeah. lanes. He'll he'll just whatever. But you try to run the ball, man. We're just like we're running into each other. Missed assignments. Guys stumbling over each other. There's just no holes. It just it's a little bit of everything. We but at some point, it. it comes down to the offensive line coach. Let, let's flip over to the scary part, or the, I guess kind of the fun part too, and and talk our offense against your defense. But before we do that, folks. Y'all know what time it is. The betonline.ag line of the day. Yesterday, Drake gave you Western Michigan over Central Michigan at 10. That line's now down to 8.5 tonight. Maction, 7 o'clock. You'll know the results as you're listening to this. Drake, I got a couple more for you, though. And, ooh, let me pick one. Mm, okay. That's not good enough. I, I'm, I like the weekday game. So, guys, in Evan, feel free to hop in on this one, too. We've got... Boston College, Virginia Tech. Boston College, who I would have thought four weeks ago would have beat Virginia Tech like a drum, especially at home, is now a three-point home underdog. How do you guys see this one shaking out for the betonline.ag line of the day? I'm going to take Virginia Tech to win the game outright, personally. I don't think Braxton Burmester is a good quarterback, like I said before, and see the line from Ken and Gibbs, who actually we're going to have later on in the week. Um, he can't hit the ocean from the beach. He, man, is not, he can't throw the ball. He's not very accurate. So give me VT plus three and a half, even though because Dennis Grossell is 10 times worse. Evan, what are you thinking? Well, there was rumors swirling on Twitter today that Phil Jakovic might be back in action. What? So, yeah. 
<laughs> so I would stay clear of this line later. if I were you until I know that for sure. Uh, Grossell didn't Grossell get he got pulled for the other guy a walk on. Yeah. Well, Grossell was a walk on too. He so, went up there in Chestnut Hill. God, he was a preferred walk on though. That's the good walk on. This is the oh, other yeah, walk-on. big big difference. Big difference. <laughs> uh, I. I, I I mean, how can you ever bank on Virginia, count on Virginia Tech for anything? I think Makes Boston sense. College is very one-dimensional, very very much reliant on Zay Flowers and getting them Zay Fla- getting the ball to Zay Flowers. Yeah, Virginia Tech's probably good enough in the secondary to somewhat contain that, but I just I can't rely, I can't count on Virginia Tech for anything. So if you know the rumors of Jerkova coming back, you're going to give me points. Take BC. I'm take I'll take BC in that one. There you have it, folks. The bet online Friday night line of the day. Well, I guess I gave it to you Wednesday night, but you get what I'm saying. Y'all, y'all know how my, my brain doesn't sequence like that. So go to betonline.ag, make your account promo code locked on. I feel like I feel like Virginia Tech is up there with Miami, and you can count on Justin Fuente doing just enough to not be able to be fired. And oh, he's getting fired. Infuriating. He's getting fired one more year. Like he's going to win out. They're going to be like, oh, it's a bad look. We can't fire him. And then they're going to be stuck with him. And then next year, five games in, it'll be the same thing all over again. What's the date? December 1st is when his buyout drops. Like they've been waiting for that for a year now. He could win the next, I don't know, four games. It doesn't matter. He's getting fired. No chance. No chance he's sticking around. Yeah, a mutual parting of ways. That's what it'll be. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Where did he come from again? He was one of the FCS guys that made the Memphis made New Year's Six Bowl. Memphis. That's yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, Paxton Lynch. He made Paxton Lynch good. Well, too bad he couldn't replicate anything. I mean, look, when your strategy as a program for thirty years is special teams, I mean, what do you like? Anyway, we could talk about that later. I I just think Virginia Tech <laughs> is one of the most painfully unaware fan bases on the planet. Like look, Beamer Ball. Yeah, you're the only assholes in the country that practice punts the most. Good job. Well done. Cool. How many rings does he have? Got it. Just checking. Couldn't even win one with Michael Vick. Jesus. But anyway, guys, so let's move on to when we have the ball. And it's all going to be about (laughs) – I do. I hate Virginia Tech. It's it's one of my most hated teams. Uh, Every every time I've gone, we've played them. They're just very rude, and I just – I don't like them. But anyway, so – Jordan Travis is sort of our X factor, but this year he has something he didn't have last year. Well, he kind of had it, but he has a much better stable of backs around him. And you know, it, it has a complimentary effect in the zone read game. How well do y'all handle the zone read game? Is that something that, you know, you think obviously your defensive line, I looked through the stats and I'm not going to read them off and I don't have them memorized, but you guys, I think are like third in line yards and you guys have, a really good stuff rate. So you're good at generating a push, but that's what the zone read is meant to negate. So how do you kind of see that battle playing out? Yeah, it's an interesting one because we've lost two all ACC linebackers this year. I mean, we lost Peyton Wilson early in the year, and then we just lost Isaiah Moore, who was just having an an epic year. And to think that there won't be any kind of drop off from those guys to the guys that are behind them, Drake Thomas, Vi Jones, Jalen Scott, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of mind blowing, but the, that unit is so deep that they were able to get some zone read practice against Malik Cunningham last week. And they put Drake Thomas in the middle and Vi Jones uh, on the, I don't know if he was weak side or Sam, 
but essentially he was spying Cunningham and was able to contain him for the most part. I think Cunningham and it was like 70 yards rushing, which, which is fine. He didn't do anything. Didn't break any big, uh, big runs. Our defense is legit. Like I will question a lot of things. Our defense is legit. It's been consistently legit all year. Run defense has been fantastic. And, you know, a Jordan Travis is a good enough athlete that he might break one. He might get some, he might get some run. But for FSU to win this game, I think he's got to hit, he's got to hit some passes. He's got to be able to throw it over the top because he's not going to beat us just running, just running the ball on us. I just, I don't, I just don't think so. I think our defense is, is actually really good. We're top 12 in scoring defense in the country, top 10 in total defense where we were. Yeah, I just we've been really in control of the defense, and that has been consistent all year. It's, it's not a fluke. We have a lot of really good players on defense. Yeah, no, I I think that it's it's going to be interesting because what we saw last week when Clemson was able to clog lanes with less people. You know, again, the term that went around was everyone learned what bracketing is. It was a really exciting moment for our, <laughs> our beat our fan base. Uh, just just to put everyone's assuage everyone's fears. I, I can guarantee you NC state does not have the athletes to cover our offense the way Clemson did, but they're a better team and they're a better unit. And it doesn't mean they won't cover us as well as Clemson did. If that makes sense, it may look a little different because Clemson's like, there just isn't space out there. Um, but I'm really genuinely worried because the zone read stuff can work, but if you don't get someone out of the way, you know, that's where you end up getting zero yards and it looks like a Herculean effort just to do so. So talk to me about having the two backers out. What does that do to y'all's short pass coverage? I mean, you know, is NC state going to kind of have, like, are you a defense that has to pick one and say, okay, we're going to make sure Travis doesn't run the ball, but that'll open you to throws or y'all pretty good in the, you know, being balanced. Yeah, we've been pretty good being balanced. The few times that we've been beaten, defensively is when uh, I'd say like Miami is probably the perfect example of it. We, for some reason went man on the back end and let Miami's receivers get over the top of us. And we let Van Dyke have easy, easy throws. Yeah. I don't think Tyler, uh, I don't think Tony Gibson is going to let that happen again. And so I think we're going to be pretty balanced. And that was something I was worried about against, against Louisville is one Cunningham can run, but also you know, the way Satterfield runs his offense, he likes to exploit the middle of the field like that. He likes to stretch you out with that run game. They wash down the line and they try to get you in open space and hit it short. They didn't do any of that against us. They really had, they were really ineffective with that sort of offense against, against us. And I think our linebackers, like Drake Thomas should be an all ACC linebacker. Even, sure. you know, he's our third. He's third on that our list of linebackers. Vi Jones was a transfer from USC. He was four-star, uh, number 12 linebacker in the country coming out of high school. And he's now just getting the, the snaps. He was running our fifth linebacker at the time. And he was – but now he's in there. And he's got the talent to keep up and keep contain. I don't know. Does, like, the experience catch up to him? He's not a young guy. He's been around for a few years. So I'm not I'm not really worried about the linebackers, you know, keeping the short stuff in front of them. I think we're very good about that. I think our secondary is good enough that they're going to play at some point. They're going to play man because they like to get super aggressive. You know, if our safeties overcommit, we try to corner blitz way too much. It's not been effective. 
and our safeties overcommit and they get beat over the top, you know, that yep. that's where you're going to get us. You're not going to get us dinking and dunking. You're not going to get us with the short stuff underneath. I just don't think we'll let you sustain drives the you know the length of the field to do that. I think you've got to hit explosive plays on our defense. And the teams that have been able to do that, Mississippi State, Miami, have been able to beat us. Other teams have not been able to do it and haven't been able to beat us. So the last right. thing I want to get to is a little cultural education for our listeners. My previous job, I was in the liquor industry, and I can tell you that the liquor laws in North Carolina are very difficult, highly restrictive. However, <laughs> North Carolina State lets you leave at halftime come back in. So I'd like to give you the opportunity to share with our listeners, if they find themselves up there in Raleigh next year and they're at the game and they, they get to go out at halftime. What's the strategy, right? You get 15 minutes, you got to get out, you got to get back in quickly. How do you handle a halftime at NC state and Carter Finley stadium? (laughs) It's a very contentious subject. And I wrote I wrote probably two thousand word piece earlier in this year about how we need to get in rid of pass get rid of pass outs and how we can do it by making money. But if you park close enough to the stadium or if you know people around the stadium, hell, I mean, even if you just go out and you can make friends, you know, for the most part, state fans are very nice and hospitable. If you go, hey, can I get a beer? They can give you a beer. But yes, you can go out and what we used to do, and we parked. I don't know, it was a couple minutes walk away, kind of next to the PNC Center. We would go out, go to the car, go to the tailgate, shotgun a beer, grab a beer for the way back, you know, got to have a couple beers and just go down and back. And that was it. It's better than, if you know, it was better than sitting in the halftime waiting for the band. We couldn't get a beer at the stadium. Now you have everything you, you need at the stadium that there's not really any need to leave, but yeah, they're, they're having they have food trucks now. We have beer gardens. We have just everything possible there. Oh. We didn't have that before, and so it was a habit. People would go out, they would get something to eat, they would get a get a beer and come back in. But now you don't oh. have to do that. I think you can stay in the stadium, which is what we should be doing at some point. But if you are to leave, they have this siren, so to speak. They have speakers lined up in the parking lots, and they play this like howl when you have like a what is it? Four minute warning or five minute warning that you can't really hear if you get too far away. So it's very ineffective, which is part of my problem with all of this is like, it's a good, good idea, but it just, it's not loud enough for you to hear it. So if you are to leave, pay attention to the, the sounds around you and then come back in. You can't get terribly far in 15 minutes. It's surprising how long it takes you to get in and down and back. But <laughs> If you want to get out, you can. And it's cool. Like, it's cool having that freedom. And it was cool when, you know, a couple of years when we had a parking lot, a parking space that was like two rows out of the stadium. It was awesome. You could just come and go as you wanted. Yeah. But now we park a little bit farther away. It's not as fun. But fair. Yeah. It just always, I, I remember the one time I went to Carter Finley and it made me think of the Blue Mountain State scene. It's, I don't know, they play some game and they'd gotten a new prince, a new president of the university. And dad comes, he's like, they stopped serving beer at halftime. Now all the students are drunk enough to be angry, but not drunk enough to pass out. They're destroying the town. <laughs> and I was like, ah, NC State must have had that problem once. And they were like, we're not yeah. going to become Morgantown. We got to get them drunk enough at halftime. That way they, boom, go down oh, right yeah. after the game. Yeah. Well, that was part of why they limited our tailgating to five hours. We used to go out there. When I was a student, we would go out there the night before and get in the parking lot and just 
have a good time, smoke a pig, you know, just be say, stupid would, would for 12 like, hours. Drink alcohol and do what normal college students do. I mean, do? college students, you maybe do little hand signals and practice songs yeah. like at other. Yeah. We would you know, read and sit around the bonfire and, and of course. <laughs> discuss literature and poetry. Normal college students things. Yeah. Bring my laptop yeah. and everything. Take some notes. Yeah. Make sure you get your homework done. Of course, Dude, I mean, it's, it is a bucket list item, kind of. I do want to go to one of those weird Texas A&M cult rallies, but at the same time, like, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to keep a straight face. There's no way I could make it through that without laughing at him. But anyway, yeah. uh, Evan, Red White Podcast, at Red White Podcast on Twitter, him and his partner, Will, they chop it up. They do a great job. I would, I don't know if y'all are like me, I always like to go give episodes a few listens before we play that team for the week, so that's a great place to do it. Thanks for stopping by for Locked On Seminoles Know Your Foe. I'm Max. That was Drake. That was Evan. And this was Locked On Seminoles. Take care, everybody. Go back. <laughs>